Hello, everybody. Welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host, James Chen, a.k.a. Jay Chenzor. Uh, it is definitely, we're getting near the holiday season, so happy holidays, everybody. Uh, but also at the same time, uh, you know, uh, look, fighting games uh, are not stopping. <laughs> Uh, I've often lamented the fact that there are too many fighting games out there, but that is definitely a problem for those of us who want to play as many fighting games as we possibly can. Uh, for those of you, however, who are maybe still searching for that fighting game in particular that you're interested in, maybe some of the fighting games out right now aren't your thing right now and aren't your style. Well, the thing about it is it isn't slowing down. Like, I always feel like we're at a point where fighting games are going to slow down just a little bit, like... Uh, okay, okay, the influx has got to stop at this point, but um, obviously Mortal Kombat 1 has released already, uh, and then uh, Street Fighter 6, of course, came out uh, about six months ago at this point. But there are more coming out. Obviously, Tekken 8 is a big one that everybody is talking about, which will be coming out very, very quickly in January, if I'm not mistaken, uh, literally next month. But at the same time, you know, if you're a person who's always kind of been a Dragon Ball fan, but just couldn't take the online, the Dragon Ball Fighters online beta just happened. And man, are the Dragon Ball fans happy. <laughs> Boy, are they happy. They're just like the day the beta ended and the Dragon Ball Fire players are like, please don't take this away from us. Please make an indefinite beta. Like this is the craziest thing ever. So uh, they have been really, really excited. Uh, and I'm sure uh, if you are a fan of Dragon Ball Fighters, it's a better time to get into than any because as soon as the game gets released with the rollback net code, uh, it's going to be a completely different experience. Yes, and as Kevamani mentioned in the chat, obviously Project L coming out as well. Uh, another game that a lot of people are anticipating. But kind of uh, one of the things I wanted to mention here is that, you know, uh, there are a couple of other uh, pretty significant games coming out very, very soon here. Uh, let me get their exact... Uh, release dates here uh, for you guys before I actually yeah okay oh wait so there it is the full release so uh, and then uh, do we have this officially over here I prepared a bunch of stuff forgot a couple of things and then uh, just want to make sure I have okay there we go so, uh, already, <laughs> uh, let me actually change the topics here. Oops, that didn't work. Uh, I have to do this. Uh, yoink. There we go. So, uh, two fighting games that are coming out that, you know, I'm hoping don't fall under the radar with all these uh, fighting game announcements and, you know, all the big name fighting games like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Tekken. Uh, having sequels coming out within like eight months, <laughs> within an eight month period, uh, is Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising and Undernight in Birth 2. Uh, unfortunately for, you know, for me personally, you know, I, I haven't played a lot of the, the original Grand Blue, and I know the game has gone through a ton of changes and such, so I wish I could talk more about it. Uh, I was trying to reach out to some people, just not in time, uh, to be able to talk a little bit more about Grand Blue. But, uh, there has been a, uh, already like a pre-release for a bunch of people, uh, that have been able to pick up the game already. Uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is, I mean, they're both... So, uh, 
interestingly enough, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is being programmed, is being, the, the game is programmed, is made by Arxis, but it is released uh, by the official Grand Blue company, uh, which was, uh, shoot, I get them all mixed up, Psy Games. Psy Games. So Grand Blue is being published by Psy Games, developed by Arxis. Uh, interestingly enough, Undernight in Birth is being developed by French Bread, but published by Arxis. So while they both ha are, uh, while they both have ties to Arxis, one is actually being developed, the other one is only being published. So uh, it's kind of interesting. So Psy Games again is publishing uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising, and French Bread is pro is developing uh, Undernight in Birth to Cis Celeste, and so. Um, I wanted to talk about these games coming out. So Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Rising has already been released. Early access players have already been playing it since yesterday, essentially. But the full release comes out December 14th. Uh, again, uh, so let me see if I can do something over here for you guys. Because what I want to do is full screen over here. Switch this like so. And then uh, I'm just going to play some footage from Grand Blue Fantasy versus rising from evo this past year they had an exhibition and there was a whole top eight that they uh actually produced over here uh for evo which way do i gotta move this calendar to center myself more? there we go so uh, i'm just gonna have this on in the background but you know for those of you who didn't play the original gram blue uh, I mean, obviously you look at this game and you're like, okay, it's another anime fighter. It's like Guilty Gear or Blaze Blue or Dragon Ball. This game is going to be absolutely crazy and wild. But honestly, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is probably more like if Street Fighter and an anime game kind of had a baby, right? So like the game is definitely a little more... Uh, grounded, as you can see, a little bit more slow, a little bit more footsies. But as uh, Mikey has said, Mike Lee has said in the chat, and I was going to address this, the game has undergone a lot of changes even during the course of the first Grand Blue. So again, just so you guys know, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Rising is a, is basically the sequel to uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. So this is essentially basically the, the 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 second release of the game. Previously, it was just you know patches and adding a bunch of systems, etc., etc. Now, this game does have a lot of friendly, you know, beginner-friendly stuff in there. As you can see, you, there is a special move button under the life bars. If you actually look over here, there's a lot of, you can just do the special moves by pressing the button, and there's cooldown. And what's interesting is in the original Grand Blue Fantasy, there was a penalty for doing it with the special move button, essentially that the cooldown would be longer. Uh, it has been said now that Grand Blue Fantasy version versus rising uh, that will difference does not exist <laughs> so basically there are no penalties now uh, apparently for doing special moves via the special move button and uh, you can just do either way with the original command so basically classic and modern exist and there's like no penalty at all so um, 
so okay, so Gundam Jehudi Kai, uh, if if anybody can confirm what he says, is that they've added a bunch of new mechanics in the original Grand Blue Fantasy verses, and uh, I guess took some of them away. But someone else says no, the, all of them are still there. And as you can see, there's a lot of craziness going on in this game. And so basically, I, I, the way that I would like to describe this game, because again, you know, it, it's disingenuous to say that this is a very Street Fighter based neutral slow. Just imagine if you were playing Street Fighter 6, but everybody was DJ, JP, and like Blanca, <laughs> right? There are no real like Kens. I mean, there are, right? So obviously there's going to be some base, more basic characters. But as characters have been added to the game, the game has gotten wilder and wilder, which is basically what you expect from a lot of fighting games. But this is a, this alt game also has huge single player campaign. Uh, but like I said, the pace is a little bit slower. It has very similar kind of uh, mix ups to a Street Fighter game, like attack throw shimmy kind of stuff. Everybody has a universal overhead mechanic. There are, uh, quote auto combos but the auto combos are very very integral to the game because basically any button that you hit multiple times leads into uh automatic follow-ups basically but if you're looking for this kind of a game that you know maybe street fighter isn't your style but you're looking for something a little bit crazier than street fighter and uh but at the same time is not like you know, Guilty Gear, uh, absolute nuts. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, so, uh, looks like, uh, oh, interesting. So, Greetings Mortal updating in me here in the chat here. Apparently, they did change it so that the, uh, modern controls version of the special moves do 10% less damage. So they do 90% of the damage. So they went the classic route, uh, it sounds like. So apparently there was an update where the inputs do more damage than the modern controls out there. So while the cooldown penalty has not uh, has now been taken away, the damage, there is a damage difference between the two. Appreciate that, uh, greetings mortal. Uh, appreciate that update there. But uh, again, like I said, uh, I, you know, I'm not an expert in Grand Blue Fantasy versus I'm not trying to pretend to be, but what I'm trying to do is just, you know, keep you guys aware of these games coming out now one of the things about grand blue fantasy versus which was absolutely one of the most unfortunate things is the original game there was so much potential and a lot of people talking about how this game could potentially be one of the next big games in the fighting game circuit because it had the budget of a company like Psy Games. It had the beautiful graphics to it. It had so much potential. There's a lot of one player content for everybody, uh, etc, etc. The problem was that the game released right when the pandemic hit. And unfortunately, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus was uh, a victim of delay-based netcode because Strive hadn't quite convinced Japan yet of the quality of rollback netcode. Now, obviously, I talked about Dragon Ball Fighters a little bit earlier, how that beta made everybody all excited. Well, guess what? Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Rising does feature the rollback netcode that we all love and uh, and wanted. So if Grand Blue Fantasy Versus was something you played, and as someone says in the chat, that they dropped the game because the online was 
you know, miserable, especially for the pandemic period, it is not that problem anymore. And uh, we have the rollback neck coat here. And this, I mean, they couldn't have picked a better name for this sequel than Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising, because that's kind of... Uh, uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for right now. I'm hoping this game gets a big resurgence because when it came out, it was popular. A lot of people were playing it. Everyone from all the different scenes were playing it. I was playing it. Hey, I'm one of the people that actually stopped playing it uh, uh, largely because of the fact that I couldn't play it online. I just, I didn't want to deal with the rollback netcode, but the developers have said it was, they practically had to rewrite a lot of the game, you know, from scratch. Obviously a lot of the resources and stuff like that, uh, you know, still existed, but like the, the internal code and stuff like that, a lot of it had to be, um, you know, uh, almost kind of done from the ground up here just to get to the point where they could actually um, get the rollback netcode going in here again. But again, it's such a beautiful game. I, I, I'm excited for this game to have the chance uh, chance for this game to shine because it really did have this potential. And at the first offline Evo after the pandemic, so in 20... What was it? What was the first offline Evo that we had? Uh, it wasn't this last year, so it wasn't. It was 2022 that we had the first line, uh, the first offline Evo. Dude, like the Grand Blue scene, they came out, they played, they were having such a great time, they were being hype. You can see how much the scene really enjoys this game and really, really wants, you know, ha has a strong community. And now with the rollback netcode, this game is going to have a huge chance. And like I said, if something like Street Fighter maybe is a little too calm for you, you know, or maybe it's, you know, you want something a little bit crazier or, 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 or you know, you want to get into anime games, but you're scared to play Guilty Gear, etc., etc. Uh, this is a great opportunity to get in here. Like I said, this game is definitely more footsies based. Obviously, you can see it's horizontal, right? This is not a vertical game. There's no double jumps. There's no air dashes. And, uh, you know, it's definitely more akin to Street Fighter. You can see everyone's got dodges. They've definitely added a, a, a V-shift-like mechanic to the game at some point. I know I wasn't around by that point uh, when they added that. Uh, but again, you know, with the budget of side games, hopefully they do keep uh, supporting this game. And, you know, of course, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising is adding a bunch of characters to this game as well. So, uh, again, a lot of people, you talk to most people about this game and most people will give you a positive opinion about this game. Most people will tell you that this is a very, very good game, like a, a, a very solid entry into the into the FGC. Just the biggest problem was literally the netcode. So again, this is literally coming out in two days. Uh, by the time you guys see this on YouTube, for the YouTube audience, uh, my, it'll be coming out tomorrow, except for those of you who have early access. But this is a, 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 a big fight game that has the potential to be pretty huge and make a, a sizable like a uh, uh 
uh, impact in the fighting game community, and I think this will be a great game for a lot of people to get into. It's very beginner-friendly, and it's very, very neutral-heavy, and it has a lot of the crazy mix-ups from anime games that you expect. Like I said, just think of it like as a Street Fighter 6, but everybody is JP and Blanca and DJ, and the characters have that have more of the <laughs> uh, craziness going on, so... Mm. So yeah, if you have a chance, please check this out. And like I said, my knowledge of Grand Blue is very limited. I, I kept track of it and, you know, I was a Loane player when the game first dropped and then Loane was bad. So I was like, I got to switch characters and I tried fighting like 19 different characters. But then eventually the pandemic hit and it was really hard for me to keep up with the game because I couldn't play the game online. Hopefully that changes and again... You know, this is a very, very popular franchise. Grand Blue is a huge, huge franchise in Japan. You know, obviously starting off as, I believe it's a mobile game. Is it a mobile game? Oh yeah, uh, three buttons and a unique button uh, for attack. Uh, light, medium, heavy, and then the unique button, which is kind of like Blaze Blue, which the unique button is, you know, something for your character in particular. But yeah, it's a very, very popular mobile game, and there's like Grand Blue, like conventions and stuff, you know, like there have been literal Grand Blue events out there that just focus on Grand Blue itself. So, you know, definitely take a chance to keep track of this. Like I said, Street Fighter Six. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1 and of course Tekken 8's coming out so a lot of people looking at those but this is uh, another game that you should be keeping your eye on and again beautiful beautiful rollback beautiful rollback netcode and I really hope that this means that Grand Blue is going to get a much much uh, bigger kind of uh, you know player base uh, once uh, it officially reaches everybody's uh, hands so again Please check out the game when you guys have a chance and uh, try it out. Uh, like I said, lots of beginner features, beautiful one-player content, and uh, just, I mean, look at the game. The game, <laughs> the game is gorgeous, right? I mean, again, it's part of that Arxis anime style, again, which I know some people may say, you know, it might oh, actually be almost too many of these now, but I mean, again, this is just one of those games that over time will never, ever, ever, ever look out of date in my opinion i think that this game is going to look beautiful basically forever because it is so stylized because the art direction is so good i've said that about dragon ball fighters too that is the biggest advantage of this art style is that these games are never going to look outdated like ever like okay maybe once we're all in some sort of weird virtual world where everything is like pretty colors you know like 500 years from now okay maybe but in terms of you know like in just getting better graphics and stuff like that i think this game will be a uh gorgeous game for pretty much uh forever <laughs> so yeah definitely check it out uh again uh the uh early access players have been playing it since uh the 11th uh, this stream right here is on the 12th, so definitely give a chance to check this game out. It, it releases fully on the 14th uh, on all the platforms, so check it out there. Alrighty. So, uh, that's one of the games that's coming out that I really, really wanted to talk about here. Uh, but clearly, uh, there's another game as well that I think uh, really deserves some attention as well. Um... 
And this game, let me make sure I get you the exact date so I'm not uh, wrong, uh, so I don't give any false information. January 22nd. January 22nd is going to be the release of Undernight in Birth 2, Cis Celeste. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Undernight in Birth, uh, this is a game that originally hit the scene uh, kind of big time, mostly when the first uh, uh, Undernight in Birth, uh, Uniel, as we called it, uh, was the game that really kind of um, established itself into the scene. And it was such a great fighting game. This might be one of the most complex fighting games in terms of game system mechanics. It has this really complex grid system where you're battling between, you know, trying to build up grid. It's just like imagine a drive gauge. Actually, thanks to the drive gauge, it actually makes it easier to explain. But think of it as a tug of war drive gauge, right? You share one drive gauge and you're actually kind of playing a tug of war on the drive gauge but the crazy thing is there's a cycle that every time it cycles one person gets powered up if they have the tug of war on their side uh, and then they have access to uh what was it chain shift i think it was and then there's also these systems called veil off and all dude it is such a complicated fighting game but it is one of those fighting games that if you take the time to delve into the way all the mechanics work with each other is so clean it is like one of the cleanest games and Uniel at one point in time, if you remember on the Tuesday show, uh, back when me when it was just me and David, we became obsessed with Uniel and we tried to find a way to talk about Uniel as often as possible. Now, uh, I'm showing you some footage here. Shout outs to Low Kick Esports. This is from their channel right here. They ran a tournament uh, during the beta weekend just very, very recently. So they just ran a tournament uh, for Undernight uh, in Birth 2. So that's the footage that we're watching over here. Uh, and as you can see... Uh, like, I want to say, you know, this is the next step of evolution right after Grand Blue in terms of getting closer and closer to being an anime game, quote unquote. Uh, again, this game is very horizontally based, right? This game is not about, you know, you know, high jumps and double jumps, although there are assaults for every characters that do give you double jumps. But, you know, again, it's, it's more of a horizontal game. Uh, it's more you're more focused on, you know, spacing. However, I do think it's closer to Dungeon Fighter, DNF Duel, uh, because all the characters in this game are absolutely wild. The characters in this game are crazy. Now, I just happen to have put on Akatsuki here on the first player side, who is one of the most normal looking characters because he's from a completely different fighting game. He's a guest. Uh, he's from Akatsuki Blitzkampf, uh, a completely different fighting game. So he's a guest in this game. So he actually fights more like a Shoto uh, than anything else. But if you look at a character like Byakuya, who's on the screen right now, he plants web traps all over the screen. Like you'll start seeing him 
him planting webs if we actually get a chance that trigger but look at the range of his moves the, there's moves that hit across the entire screen gordo is one of the most infamous characters for you know just having moves that literally hit three four screen away Merkava, yeah, you see the web planted there uh we have characters like uh waldstein who's dalsam plus zangief at the same time like he has long arms but he's the grappler of the game like what the hell oh okay yes and shout outs to solzon mentioning this the ost in this game oh beautiful beautiful but again i was really really into this game and I played a ton of it during Uniel, even to the point where I was actually doing well at tournaments at back during the runback days. Uh, you know, when Wednesday Night Fights and the runback were still running at the Super Arcade. That's how long ago it was. But if you look at the bottom of the screen over there, you actually see the GRD listed down here. That is where the grid... Where is my mouse cursor? There it is. Uh, the GRD down there, which is blocked by the, uh, the timeline thing over there. But you can see it's kind of a tug of war over here. Both players are trying to build up that grid. It's the grid system. And then uh, you, can, you gain a lot of powers from having access, from having more grid than your opponent when a cycle finishes. You see the circle going around the grid right there. And there will be a little meter building up. Like you can see right here, you see the meter slowly filling up over here. I'm trying to trace with my mouse cursor, but as soon as it fills up, whoever has more grid, oh dang, and then someone just got grid broken. This is like basically getting burnt out with the drive gauge. So there's a, thanks to Street Fighter VI, I actually think that the grid system might not be as confusing because I never really thought about it, but it's, there's actually not, they're not similar, but there's enough like little concepts that at least it makes it a little bit easier to understand. But yes, everybody in this game is absolutely disgusting. Like, let me see if I can fast forward to maybe some of the other characters here who might look crazier. Oh, here's my, here was my main character, which was Nanase. I have, she has Milius. She has Milia discs now? Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> that is a new move that she got for sure. But Nanase also a pretty uh, straightforward character here. Uh, well, this Byakuya is just murdering everybody here, isn't he? Oh, here we go. Here we go. I see a Hilda on screen here. I see a Hilda on screen. And uh, yeah, Hilda is basically the Zangief of, I mean, the Dalsum of the game. Sorry. Uh, she is basically the zoner and she just throws stuff out all over uh, the screen, basically. She can hit full screen away and just do all sorts of things. There's a character named Batista who is also a zoner, but she actually has a sonic boom that you can charge with forward and with backwards, and that leads to do two different moves. So you can actually sonic boom continue holding forward. So her sonic boom throws out a little fireball, then reverse sonic boom is a laser, but then you keep holding back, and so then you do a forward sonic boom, and she throws the fireball again, but you keep holding forward, and then you hit back and button, and she throws out the laser again. She's even got an upside down flash kick that basically is a dive kick move from the air dude like there is just all sorts of craziness in this game and uh how does this compare to df uh dnf duel in terms of craziness i would say probably uh maybe dnf duel slightly more crazy but 
I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, to be honest with you. I think both of them are pretty uh, wild when it comes to what characters can do and just the absolute nonsense and pressure that characters can act. Why is this Street Fighter VI? I don't want Street Fighter VI. Let's go back over here. Oh, okay. And then, uh, what was that? A, a Fawn, I think her name is? Uh, the whip, the whip chick in this game? Uh, Phonon. Phonon. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so she, another kind of like, uh, ranged whip character over here. Uh, but they both have pretty much craziness. Why is every match Byakuya in this tournament? <laughs> why am I, why is everybody Byakuya in this tournament? However, um, uh, like I said, I think DNF Duel might be a little bit crazier because it's definitely one a game that definitely has more like, oh, you died like kind of situations. But you see all these webs being planted here, mix up. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the, interestingly enough, this game has really strong defensive mechanics. It has a lot of things like faultless, similar to Guilty Gear's faultless defense. Uh, if you tech a throw, you're actually plus, so you actually have the advantage so that you can actually, because throws are really scary in this game, and if throws were stronger in this game, uh, dude, the offense would be ridiculous, but they've taken things in mind, and in fact, one of the balanced things that I would love to see to happen to Street Fighter VI is that if you tech a throw, you're actually plus, and I got the idea from Undernight uh, in the first place, so... Um, again, what happened with this game? So, so just a little bit of background for Undernight in Birth over here. Uh, game got so popular because people kept playing it and people just enjoyed it so much that the, every tournament that this game went to, including Evos as a side tournament, Combo Breaker, etc., it kept breaking its own records for most entrance in an Undernight tournament ever. And it basically got so... Kaguya is one of the newest characters to the game, so she is absolutely brand new to this game. But uh, the game built so much momentum and was such... so community-driven that it eventually got added to the main EVO lineup on the basis of just the community supporting it and it just making a ton of noise. So again, this game was popular and enjoyed by enough people that it kept growing. And then it was at EVO and it had the biggest tournament in Undernight history. And so, uh, yeah, again, this game was really popular. So again, what happened to it? What happened? Guess what? Same thing that we talked about with Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. It had delay-based netcode. The most recent uh, uh, Undernight was Undernight uh, in Birth. Uh, this one was uh, Uniclear. That's what it was. It was uh, CLR. It was CL-R. Undernight in Birth, CL-R. And so, uh, but that game, when I tried to play it, again, delay-based netcode. It was delay-based netcode, and it was just not something that uh, I, 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 I couldn't do it. I couldn't play it online. So I really, especially with my character, Nanase, she has some very crucial combos that you need to like hit, uh, heavy the instant you jump off the floor. And like when I played on delay based netcode, literally 
the combos that I would do in training mode, I couldn't do when I played online. And then when I played online a bunch, I couldn't do the combo in training mode. Like the delay based net code was just very, very difficult to deal with. And so uh, I, I couldn't keep up with it. But again, <laughs> Undernight Inbirth 2, Sisseless, has rollback netcode. Rollback netcode for you. Rollback netcode for you. Rollback netcode for everybody. So uh, it's great. It's great. And yeah, this game, because of the way that the uh, chain system works, just like Melty Blood, where you, as long, like you can chain light, medium, heavy, light, heavy, medium, medium, heavy, light. And then of course, crouching counts as a separate move. So you can do medium, crouching, medium, standing light, crouching, heavy, standing, heavy, crouching, light. You know, there's a lot of freedom in this game. You know, there's a lot of rules in this game. Like the, like you can only jump cancel once in a combo. You only get one ground bounce. The tutorial in this game was fantastic because the tutorial wasn't even just like, here's like, they have combo trials, but all of the combo trials are like here's an optimal combo off of a light crouching starter that hits low here's an optimal combo off of this overhead here's an optimal combo off of this like they actually tried to give you all the realistic match starting combos uh in the in the combo trials which is actually really really cool and also i will mention too this is one of the last bastions of beautiful beautiful 2D artwork, right? This is still a sprite-based game, and you know, uh, it's it's a beautiful game, and uh, support old-school sprite games. <laughs> I never noticed that about Kaguya, actually. I didn't know that she didn't open her eyes. I mean, anime has a lot of tropes. That's just kind of how it works, so... Uh, <laughs> Eltnum is also a guest character, but the weird part about Eltnum is that she knows she's a guest character. So she makes all the, she's like weirdly like Deadpool in this game. One of her win quotes talks about Blaze Blue, uh, Blaze Blue Central Fiction, I think, or something like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's actually kind of funny. Um, but yeah, this is a, a really fun game. You know, uh, if, if Melty Blood bothered you because of the lack of drip, for example, the, the characters in this game definitely have a lot crazier style. The characters that I've just happened to be putting on the screen here for you guys haven't been as wild as uh, some of the other characters as that you can find in this game. But, uh, like, if I just do, like, un Undernight Merkava... <laughs> Like, this is one of the characters in Undernight Inbirth. Like, this character is absolutely just, I mean, one, he's adorable. I mean, look at him. Look at his face, dude. He's so cute, right? But then, you know, he just hits you all over the screen and everything like that. There's Waldstein, who's this guy. This is the Zangief Dalsum that I was telling you about. Um... Just the absolute craziest designs. So, you know, again... Uh, I describe Undernight as Melty Blood with drip. <laughs> All right, Shard Lab said it. That wasn't me, okay? <laughs> uh, but yeah, this game has so many crazy characters. This is Mika, uh, a character whose crouching animation doesn't even look like a crouch. 
there's all sorts of crazy characters in this game, you know, mixed with the standard looking characters like Linne, for example. You know, she's just gonna be your standard fast character. But this is kind of a, you know, pseudo weapon based fighters. Most of the characters have weapons in this game, so. Uh, but again, yeah, that's Undernight Inbirth and uh, Undernight Inbirth 2. And again, with rollback netcode. So this is going to be absolutely amazing. And again, uh, you know, I, I, the reason why I told the story about it getting into Evo and all that stuff like that, about me and David just being absolutely in love with this game at one point in time, is because this game really does, you know, once you play it, once you start understanding the system, it hooks people. This game sucks people in. And honestly, the netcode, again, was one of the things that held it back with the delay-based netcode. But, you know, now we've got the rollback netcode. So here we are. Um, it is a great time to be a fighting game fan. And so we have all these games coming out. And uh, actually, you know what? I, I brought this up. So let's actually check this out with the volume and everything like that. But the last character, so Kaguya was new to the game. Uh, please, someone in the chat, remind me who the shield guy is. The guy with the giant shield, uh, in this game. What's his name? Uh, he's one of the new characters that's being added to the game as well. But the last game, uh, last character revealed for being added to this game is Quan. And, uh, this character, I mean, definitely seems like the new boss character or something, but he looks absolutely insane. So uh, let's take a look at this trailer, which just came out very, very recently. <laughs> I think this guy's a bad guy. <laughs> By the character design, it's very ambiguous. Tsurugi, thank you. That's the shield guy. Yeah, this game has puppet characters, etc, etc. So, a lot of like, steps into getting you into other anime games. So there you go. Well, this says release date January 25th. So I had it said that it was 22nd when I looked it up on, uh, when I actually looked it up on Google. But this actually, oh, actually, you know what? It's auto-playing, what the hell? Let's watch the Tsurugi trailer as well here. So this is the other a character that they announced besides Kaguya. Hey, look, it's a normal-looking dude with a shirt and tie. Nothing odd about this character at all. Oh, wait. Sorry. He has a giant shield! <laughs> Indomitable Rampart Steel Guardian! Oh dang, he's got like a metal arm or something too? Oh, 
たち EFG だお前の悪事がなされることはありえないたとえ不可能であろうと全員守るぜこの俺の盾がな<笑>叩く重いもんでドカンと殴るそれだけでいいんだよ So there you go. That's the、uh, other character that's being announced along with Kaguya. I already streamed the, the Kaguya trailer on, the, on this show before. So if you want to take a look at that,、uh, it's, it, just search the videos over here.、Uh, but again,、um, yeah, this game's coming out apparently January 25th, according to all these trailers here. And yeah,、uh, and that's the thing, Hammered Wookie, as I was saying, between this. And again, between Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, again, like if we go back to Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, even if you think that you're bad at anime fighters, these are two good games to start in here to, to get your feet wet into anime fighters. Again, like if I had to do the, you know, the, the steps, basically, it would be like Street Fighter, then Grand Blue, then Undernight. Then maybe DNF Duel and then Guilty Gear, right? Because then that's when you start getting into, or even Guilt, I would even have to say Guilty Gear Strive, and then you get to、uh, guilt, classic Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue, which with more of the double jumps and the high jumps and the more vertical kind of、uh, style games, basically.、Uh, Blaze Blue is definitely one of the craziest games <laughs> out there,、uh, one of the wildest anime games. Uh, that exists. But again, you know, nice thing about Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is while the, these, this game does have some crazy characters, you know, the archetypes are still pretty straightforward. Like someone in the chat just mentioned La Diva. She, she's the grappler, right? Matera with the whip is good. And then Fer,、uh, Fairy, I think was her name? Oh, no, wait.、Uh, gosh, who was the one with the bow and arrow?、Uh, bow and arrow. Uh, is Ladiva still bad, Mike Lee? Is Ladiva still bad? Matera, that's what it was.、Uh, Matera with the bow and arrow.、Uh, Fairy has the whip. Okay, got it. So Fairy is the whip character. Matera is the arrow character. And both of those characters are zoner, more zoner style. But you know, it's kind of more classic what you would expect out of zoners.、Uh, and especially, you know, if. If, if JP is kind of your thing, then、uh, Matera is a great character to go with because、uh, Matera has very similar kinds of you know, space control kind of、uh, you know,、uh, ways. The Diva is bottom one, but the game just came out! Do we know that already? <laughs> Do we know that already? Come on, the game is brand new. We don't know yet. We don't know yet.、Uh, but in any case, you know, there's all sorts of.、Um, You know, archetypes that you can follow in here. Like I said, Undernight has it as well. There's the zoners like,、uh, like Hilda, like,、uh, like Batista, Batista、uh, and, and, and so on and so forth.、Uh, no, actually, it's not Batista, is it? Is Batista the one that I'm thinking of? Oh, God, you know, I'm getting all my names mixed up right now.、Uh, this is called Old Man Brain. I'm pretty sure it is Batista, right?、Uh, let me look this up over here. No, it is Batista. Yep,、yeah, there it is. So it's Batista.、Uh, but you know, you do have your traditional zoners, but man, like if you play Under Night and Birth and you're so used to Street Fighter, you're going to get destroyed by Batista right away. 
until you start learning, like I said, about like, so what, like, for example, the, like the grid system's complicated, right? And so while Batista can zone the hell out of you, there's the shield guards, right? That, like I said, kind of similar to the, uh, the, 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 per, the, the, the faultless defense and guilty gear. But if you actually shield guard stuff, you build grid. So if you actively play defense, you build grid. So if you're fighting against a zoner like Batista and you just start actively blocking all of her zoning stuff, what that happens is that you build more grid than she does and then you win the cycle and now you have all the extra things like the chain shift, which is a Roman cancel, you know, uh, kind of uh, ability to have. You gain all these extra things that, you know, you have and so there's ways to actively, you know, actively play defense in 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 undernight like so many fighting games these days blocking is like not the right thing to do like you're just wrong if you block but in undernight you know playing good defense is really a a, a real thing and very solid very very solid uh strategy to go by and it's just again like i said i was so enamored with the systems and the way the game played back in uniel that you know I just, I really enjoyed it a lot. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool things coming out here. Not just games that are coming out, the big name games. Like I said, if you've been a Dragon Ball fan, but you know what? You couldn't play it because of the terrible netcode. Hey, hopefully we get that official rollback netcode release soon. So you could almost count that as a brand new game as well. But of course, Tekken 8 coming out uh, also... Uh, Tekken 8 uh, release date is January 26th, I want to say. Yes, so January 26th. So it's going to be interesting because keep in mind, Under Night and Birth comes out on the 25th, according to those trailers, and Tekken comes out on the 26th. So that's a difficult time, right? Obviously, it's not easy for everybody to just splurge and spend on two fighting games at the exact same time. So it's kind of a tough situation. Uh, fortunately, Tekken 8 and Undernight are fill very different voids in the uh, fighting game community that you'll know which of the two that you lean towards more. <laughs> <laughs> you will definitely know which one uh, you lean towards a little bit more. Uh, well, so none of the heavy hitters are using delay anymore, asked Shard Lab. I don't know because of Tekken. I don't know. Tekken has rollback like Tekken 7 has rollback. And so I'm not 100% sure. So Tekken 8 is the only one that I don't know the real answer to. And I still don't know the real answer to. <laughs> so, uh, yes. But Tekken is coming out. We all know the cast. We know the entire cast. But they've also just been releasing the official trailers for them recently. Uh, the most two recent trailers have been for Leo and uh, for Dragonov. And uh, since Tekken 8 absolutely counts as one of the new fighting games that's coming out, uh, let's actually take a look at that one as well. So this is Leo, Le the Leo trailer coming out. Splat. Splat. 
So again, Tekken 8. And, and Tekken is, might be a good one to get into if you've never played Tekken before because the heat system has really kind of uh, changed the game. It's definitely more of an aggressive game. You know, aggression, you know, is definitely the name of the game. So I think that uh, if you really wanted to get into Tekken, this would be a good one to start with. Although Legacy Knowledge definitely still has a lot of... Uh, weight in this game for sure well i mean tekken blocking are you talking about tekken with blocking uh in this game or are you talking about a different game mike lee because <laughs> i oh in general okay okay because <laughs> tekken has always been a tough game to block in but Tekken is more about the, the, the left-right spacing distances. Like, you want to get people to whiff things. If you're being rushed down and the character's in your face, they, you know, they're, they're going to open you up. And, you know, the unreactable lows and stuff are like chip damage. You kind of sometimes just have to take them a little bit uh, because you can't get baited into crouching because then you get launched, etc., etc. Uh, ugh. And here's this super that looks exactly like Whip Super from King of Fighters. And so that's Leo uh, being added towards the game. Added, uh, well, we already know at is added to the game. And then, of course, my nemesis, Dragonov, the character that caused the infamous Chen Rage uh, Tekken clip here. Um, <clears throat> So we have, oh yeah, that's right. Leo is supposed to use Baji Quan, Baji Chen as well. Uh, same style as Akira. Yeah, I was, I had no life left. 100% after dropping a combo that should have won me the round, by the way. I knew he was going to go for a low. But of course, since I had no life, wouldn't you go for the unreactable low? Not the snake edge, but the guy went for the snake edge. Not because he was guessing that I was guessing that he was get. It was just because he just did it and I got hit and I got so mad. Anyway, Dragonov. <laughs> Another classic Tekken. Well, now classic Tekken character. What was Dragonov's first Tekken? Was it 5 that he first showed up in? Uh, I can't remember what Dragonov's first Tekken was. But I feel like he feels like a staple these days, right? Okay, so it was Tekken DR, gotcha, yeah, which is five, so. Um, and this is Vincent, of course, one of the brand new characters alongside Azucena and Reyna as uh, one of the new characters in the game. Right, the first one was BR, and then it was Tekken 5, then BR, then DR, I think it was. Right, is it? <laughs> uh, those ball lightning effects. No, that right there, those are just hits. I think those are just the way some of the hits look. Oh, it was a Tekken 6 BR. Got it. Okay, 5 was DR, 6 was BR. <laughs> oh, man. Still not as confusing as uh, Blaze Blue names or Undernight names. Hi! 
that's uh, Tekken 8. So again, January 26th coming out. Uh, so definitely something that you want to uh, keep an eye out for. Again, fighting game community eating good, man. Eating so well at this point. And I, you know, obviously the big three, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, and Street Fighter are going to be the ones, you know, taking a lot of the, the limelight. But again, do not overlook Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising. Do not overlook Undernight in Birth 2, Celeste. One of the most beautiful things about fighting games is if you dislike a fighting game, another fighting game is there. You will find a fighting game that you enjoy. They are all different enough games that they reward very different skills, very different talents, very different mindsets. And uh, again, Tekken 8's January 26th. Grand Blue, uh, Undernight Ember 2 Sisseless is January 25th. And then Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is already out. Uh, it is available for the uh, early... Uh, uh, what was it called? Early access for some players, but becomes officially, officially purchasable by everybody on the 14th, which is two days from this broadcast right now. Uh, and so by the time this gets up on YouTube, probably one day, uh, one day, to, it, it should be available for you to purchase literally midnight uh, tonight for the YouTube audience here. <laughs> so uh, again, please do not overlook these games. Uh, so interesting. So I'll, I'll, uh, you know what, Jim Kubak, save that question for the viewer Q&A section. That'd be a great question for the view viewer Q&A section. Save that and we'll do that there. But again, so many fighting games. And on top of all of this, I want to address a couple of things before we exit right now. Uh, a couple of things that I really, really, really want to mention is one, uh, I, I wore the Them's Fighting Hurts Herds shirt intentionally today for solidarity with the main six devs. Uh, they were, you know, basically uh, picked up by a big company and that company decided to help them, you know, fund uh, Them's Fighting Herds. But, you know, as it goes, when you are reporting to somebody else, when you are under somebody else, they have all the control and what they worry about the most is money. So unfortunately, they have ceased all development on them's fighting herds. Uh, not the developer's fault, not main six's fault. So they weren't able to fulfill a lot of the, um, the Kickstarter or Indiegogo goals, such as a fully fleshed out uh, story mode, etc., etc. And then just today, uh, one of the people that worked at Main 6 reported that everybody at Main 6 except three employees were let go today. And so the entire Them's Fighting Herds team, uh, the entire Main 6 team was disbanded. Uh... So the new cup, yeah, <laughs> I hadn't gotten to this part yet, factory worker one. So uh, if you guys are looking for people who are very capable at working on fighting games, who can QA fighting games, who can develop fighting games, again, Them's Fighting Herds was a very, very, uh, uh, very polished product, very 
solid product there, a very fun game, one of the first games that had good rollback netcode, you know, for people to play based on the Skullgirls engine, etc., etc. Uh, there's a lot of people who are looking for jobs right now, so definitely hit them up and uh, look up a lot of the people uh, who used to work for Main 6. So just dig around. You should be able to find a lot of those people, and I'm sure that they would be more than happy to refer you to all of their you know, former team, team members and such. But uh, again, it's an unfortunate situation, but Them's Fighting Herds was one of the indie fighting games that was doing really great stuff and you know uh, was very, very well regarded amongst uh, the community that played the game. Uh, but I do want to mention as well that there are all these crazy indie fighting games coming out, and I would name some of them, but I don't want to leave anyone out. This is how my OCD brain works. It's why I don't wish anybody happy birthday <laughs> online ever, because I feel like if I wish someone happy birthday, but I forget somebody else, I will feel Awful, awful, awful. So instead, I disappoint everybody <laughs> is how my brain works. And so there are a lot of great indie fighting games coming out. I see them on my timeline. Some of them are extra. One of them I will mention, not directly by name because I can't remember the name, but it looks like, you know, plastic toys that you're fighting with. It's like almost kind of like a spiritual successor to Clay Fighter almost in a weird way because it's so stylized, but it looks really, really beautiful. Like there's that one. I saw another one that's a 2D animated, 2D sprite based fighting game that's coming out as well. But there are a ton, a ton of independent fighting games that are coming out uh, as well. So if you are also interested in games like Them's Fighting the Herds, you know, if that was more your style, if, if, if Punch Planet was more your style, there are a ton of independent fighting games to look at as well. I know a bunch of them were showcased at EVO, but I've been seeing even more ones being announced recently. Uh, there's so many independent fighting games. So again, as a fighting game player, there is there is more than enough to satisfy that itch. If you don't like Street Fighter VI, you don't have to play Street Fighter VI. There's so many fighting games out there for you to play. So many fighting games to get into. The important thing is that, you know, you, could, you try to find the game that is suited for you. Again, like for example, Tekken, difficult game for me to play. I learned it, I enjoy it, I think it's fun. Uh, it's definitely not a James game, but then I played Soul Calibur and I was like, I freaking love this game. And Soul Calibur turned out to be a game that I really, really enjoyed, right? Who would have guessed that both of the games made by the same company had very different mentalities to play the games, right? Uh, you know, I originally thought that those two games were, it was Soul Calibur was just taken with weapons and it's absolutely not, right? It is not that at all. And so, you know, you need to make sure you take the time to explore because you never know what fighting game you'll run into that is just absolutely joy 
to play. So again, I know I highlighted Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising and Undernight Inbirth 2 Sisseless uh, in this video here with a little bit of a love to Tekken 8 as well. Obviously, those games are coming out within the next month and a half. So again, we're eating great in terms of great games here. They should all have good netcode. Please, Tekken 8, have good netcode. And uh, it's it's a great time. Dragon Ball Fighters, when the when the uh, net when the official uh, update releases with rollback might as well be a brand new online game because you should see the reactions from so many of the people they're like i i've never been able to do this online oh my god and you know the beta ending there's so many people going like please please don't end the beta please i can't go back i can't go back and so you know uh it's it's a wonderful time to be playing fighting games we are in uh you know again Okay, fine. I won't call this the golden age because golden age kind of implies like classic, you know. Look, obviously there was a point in time where fighting games were wonderful, but this time right now is definitely overall the strongest for fighting game players that we've ever had. So, you know, find the fighting game you enjoy. It doesn't have to be Street Fighter 6. It doesn't have to be Mortal Kombat 1. It doesn't have to be Tekken 8. It doesn't have to be Guilty Gear Strive. Like I said, Granblue Fantasy Versus, Dragon Ball Fighters, Undernight Inbirth 2, all these indie games out here, King of Fighters 15. Uh, there's so many, even classic games, right? You can go to Fightcade and play a lot of the classic games. You could fall in love with Vampire Savior. You could even go back to Exert if you really want that classic Guilty Gear style. That's got rollback netcode as well. BB Tag still is out there for you guys. Blaze Blue, Central Fiction is still out there. There's just so many choices out there. Please take the time. Obviously, it's not cheap to do that kind of thing, but again, just keep in mind that if you've played one fighting game, you haven't even remotely played them all. There's so much variety out there. Try to find the game for you, and uh, hopefully you'll find something that you really enjoy and really helps bring out what makes fighting games something so great. And so that'll be all here for you guys on YouTube. Thank you guys for watching. Please like and subscribe. Leave a comment on which fighting game you guys are looking for. I didn't even talk about Project L all that much because we don't know when that game is coming out. We're still, we're still in the dark about that one, but obviously that's another huge game that's coming out. But besides Project L, uh, what fighting games are you looking forward to that are coming out? Or what fighting game, or actually, you know what would be even cooler too as well? If you made it this far in the video, comment below what fighting game you started out playing and now what your main fighting game is if they are different games because i want to see the kind of transitions a lot of people have made between fighting games because that is one of the coolest parts about fighting games so there you go thank you guys for tuning in thank you guys for watching for those of you on twitch of course i'm going to be going to the viewer q a section youtube viewers check out that that should be out uh, later on this week but uh, it doesn't matter if you're on Twitch or if you're on YouTube. The day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday.
All right. Lurker Spine asks, do you think more fighting games will do the Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising thing of having a limited roster free to play version of the game as a way to grow the player base? I was not aware that that was an option for the game, Lurker Spine. I did not know. But um, interestingly enough, this is kind of a topic uh, that I might actually just sit on for a little bit because, you know, one of the things that I was that we were talking about on Twitter recently was the idea of like, man, why does nobody play King of Fighters? Like the fact like everyone says three characters is too many to play and it's scary. But that was the draw of King of the Fighters, King of Fighters back in the day is that you got to play three characters instead of being stuck with one character. So why is this now such a problem? And uh, the reason why that's a problem now is because to play three different characters back in the day cost 25 cents. Nowadays, it costs 60 to $70. And if you expect to like the game, you're going to buy the season pass because first season already is going to make the game more expensive. Uh, fighting games were so different back in the day because the goal of them was just to kind of attract you to play them. You'd stick in a quarter, you'd play against the computer, you'd mess around, you'd be like, this is fun. And uh, you would use that to get to the point where you can get better and play against other people. It was a way to just kill time. You know, it was a very classic arcadey thing to do. We don't have that nowadays for fighting games. There is literally no way to test fighting games in a way uh, that we were able to do so before. So no, the, the, the three characters wasn't intimidating before, but it was, cause it was cool because one quarter let you play all three characters badly and then you had fun and that was it. And if you ended up fighting against somebody else, like let's say you challenged someone and they kicked your ass, that cost 25 cents and you're like, whatever. And you'd walk away and go play something else. <laughs> Or, you know, if someone challenged you and beat you, he took 25 cents or 50 cents, depending on the arcade, and you'd walk away. And that's the end of it. That's literally the end. Like, there was no commitment to it. But now, if I spend $60 on a fighting game and then another $20 on the season pass, so I've, now I've spent $80 on the game, that's a commitment. I feel like I have to get good at the game. And now when I say to myself, I have to get good at the game, and there's three characters, and i got to learn three characters to be able to get everything I want out of this game, you're just like, I just don't know if I can do that anymore. <laughs> you know, it wasn't one of those things where you were just messing with the game and having fun and you know back in the arcades you would play king of the fighter king of fighters and you'd be like ah oh, that didn't wasn't ah whatever then you play killer instinct and you're like bam bam mashing buttons and you're like ultra combo and you're like this is sick and then you found the fighting game that you liked right like you would just jump between machines and played whatever looked interesting and you know within five dollars you could find the game that you like now in the end when you found the game that you like you may have ended up spending well over hundreds of dollars playing against other people challenging over the lifetime but to get invested into the game, to find the game, didn't cost you much at all. I don't think free-to-play is the right answer, but the free-to-play is a model that currently exists. What I actually feel like should happen, and this only works on Steam, I don't know, maybe they could figure out a way to do it on consoles too. 
but maybe they try to create an arcade environment. Maybe there's some concept of buying tokens for video games that you can literally play. And depending on the game, the, the quarter would get you a time limit. For fighting games, it would just give you a time limit if you do one player or training mode. Or if you go to online versus mode, like there's just an online arcade versus mode that you just play against other people that it just puts you up against. And so you basically just have tokens and you put them in there. And then if you spend enough tokens, it gives you a discount on the game or something. So that way you don't feel like you're losing money. Like let's say you spend uh, $25 worth of tokens on a specific game, then the game goes down from $60 to $40, right? So Steam or the PlayStation Store Xbox gets $5 for that because you, you spent a little bit extra on the tokens, but that way you play it and you feel like you can get it. So that way, if you're like, like, like just in the stream earlier today, when I'm like, you should try Grand Blue, you should try Undernight, you should try Tekken 8. Like literally you can just like put quarters in for these games and actually play them. If there is a weird quarter system to play these games, I, I think that would actually be really good. Now, it probably couldn't be 25 cents a quarter that nowadays, for inflation purposes, I don't know, maybe it would have to be like 50 cents or maybe even a dollar for a play or something like that. I don't know. And not every game on Steam is going to have this option. But for specifically the genre of fighting games, I think it would be really powerful to have. And so it wouldn't be free trials. It would actually be cost trials. But, you know, if you're a person like, like let's say you do put in a quarter into the game and you're good enough to keep winning... It keeps like the versus mode is just basically the free for all matching system. They don't care about, there's no player ranking. They just, you know what? You get connected to this player, you go play them and you play them. And if you're good enough and you keep winning, you know, one credit can last you quite some time if you're good. But the idea for Steam is that because you're beating everyone else, you're taking their money and having that go to Steam. So the more people you beat, the more money they're spending. So it actually kind of works out for them as well, the same way arcades did. If we can actually create a system like that, I think it would be pretty sick. I don't know if it's realistic. I don't know if that would actually make anybody money. I don't know if it would do anything beneficial to anyone. But honestly, I don't think free-to-play necessarily works for fighting games that well. And everyone's scared to go for the full model. And again, I'm going to be super biased because I'm from the arcade era, so everything arcade sounds great to me. But, you know, I feel like that that might be an interesting alternative if there's a way to set that up. I don't know if there actually is. Why? Dude. Let me get into my dang phone here. Thank you. I don't know if there's actually a way to make it work, but I think it would be be really, really kind of cool uh, to do. So, yeah, I mean, Forrest is saying that arcades are more of a fun experience. I really think the answer is training mode as a standalone free download. That's not a bad choice either. And you just take away the option in training mode to be able to play against another person that you only have a training dummy. Like just downloading the, uh, the training mode would be an interesting idea. Actually, that's actually kind of a neat idea as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, right, free to play always has trade-offs that need to take things away from quality and or quantity to achieve it. It's a really difficult kind of way to do it. So uh, I think Street Fighter V touched on something interesting, but what about a free version where the downside is you see ads between matches and lack extra content? I mean, that's another way perhaps to try to do it. I mean, I just, I don't know if we've explored all the right ways to do that right now. Um, so, you know, Grand Blue doing a free trial with only just a few characters, I don't know, because I, there's something about putting a credit into a game and playing it. Like, anybody who's lived in the arcade days knows the difference between when you play a video game when you put a quarter into it versus when you play it on MAME. Like, when you put a quarter into it and you play, like, you die right away, you're just like, whatever, oh, I gotta keep going. And you play, and there's just, like, some sort of weird motivation factor to it. As soon as you play a game on MAME, you're like, I remember this game so fun, died, whatever, let's try to play the next game. Like, it's weird that that happens, you know? Like, it, it, it's kind of weird. Um... And so Kevin Mati says, I respectfully disagree. I think free-to-play is the inevitable future of fighting games. I, I don't no i don't i don't know because a couple of companies have tried it and it's not quite working the way that i think people think it is because the thing about it is the fighting games you know you come out with a game you have 18 characters whereas if you have a free to play league of legends and they cycle between heroes it takes a long time before you get back to your hero like fighting games, what's the cycle factor, right? Do you do three characters every month, three characters every two weeks? Like what's the, what's the time frame? I don't think fighting games are big enough to really be a proper free-to-play lure. You know what I mean? Like, you, the, like the content space isn't large enough that you can bait people in, into wanting to buy the game. Because, you know, uh, if you play League of... And then, obviously, with League of Legends, you could also earn enough stuff to unlock the characters that you want, etc., etc. I'm not sure if um, free-to-play works with the fighting game genre. I haven't been proven right on that. I haven't been proven wrong on that yet. I don't... We'll see what happens. I'm guessing Project L will probably be a free-to-play model game. Because, uh, I mean, it's League of Legends based, it's Riot. I got to imagine they're going to try to find some way to make it work. So it'll be really interesting to see if it works. But again, Riot can afford to do that because they're still making money hand over fist with, uh, with League of Legends, right? They have a, a way to back it up. Like if you're Capcom or if you're, you know, Main 6 or if you're, you know, Iron Galaxy back when you made... Killer Instinct, could you afford to try to do that? Like, Killer Instinct was able to afford to try to do that because it was backed by Microsoft, right? Because it was literally like, here's the fighting game on the Microsoft platform and it couldn't go anywhere else. And so nobody played the game because it was on Xbox One for a long time. But they had the backing from Microsoft to be able to experiment with that, right? An article came out recently that said the reason why Rumbleverse got shut down is because not enough people were spending money on the game. And like literally, what, five months? They were like, people aren't spending enough. Gone, right? Like, it's just, it's gone. Like that. It's just, it's weird. So like, I don't know <laughs> if fighting games 
Right, and that's the thing about fighting games. Jim Kubak is to be honest, what would you even spend money on in that game, right? If you had a fighting game, like, it's, I don't know if the fighting game genre is built for free to play. I really don't know if the fighting game genre is designed for free to play honestly and and that's that's how I stand but again that's my opinion I'm not saying that my argument is correct uh, I'm not saying that Kevin Mahdi is incorrect over here it's just that I disagree with him you know because I haven't seen proof that it works but to be fair I haven't seen proof that it doesn't work this is just how I view it this is just my uh, opinion about free to play with fighting games I don't necessarily think that it would work. Uh, long, long man says, this reminds me of bowling. It was, and still popular, the difference is people used to be in leagues and play together competitively. Now everyone does their own thing in their own lane. Interesting. So back in the days before we had other ways to distract ourselves, bowling probably was a lot more profitable thanks to the leagues and stuff like that. Um, let me see, anything else that I want to address over here? Uh, yeah, I actually try harder when I put a quarter in on MAME. I just move on to something else. Yep. Uh, I mean, can we not encourage gambling in modern video games more than it already is? But that's the thing is, I mean, arcade games weren't gambling, right? Because no one's winning money. Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to. If you're referring to my weird arcade credit model, uh, I don't see it as gambling as much because you're literally just paying for the experience really kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know, maybe there is a concern. Maybe these companies would have to put in limits of somebody accidentally spending too much, continuing trying to put credits to beat somebody or something like that. You know, uh, when money is being paid to be played, you want to play as well as possible. Personally, I hated continuing. I'd rather start over, says Caramel Jenkins. Yeah, I didn't continue either because I wanted to start all over because I wanted my quarter to last as much as possible. So I think the best system was the Super Ultra whatever updates. It's basically the same as Season Battle Passes, same price. But you got more, way more content in the update. Uh, I mean, Capcom didn't take 200 years to make one skin. They took 200 years to make 18 skins. Let's be real, okay? <laughs> Let's be real here. Um, KI afford to do that because they launched it with crazy compromise on content on launch. No story mode, eight characters, etc. Uh, right, and anti-mage saying I would buy bikini skin for all the girls. But again, I think Capcom try, was trying to be fair and made sure they had a costume for every character, a new costume for every character. But yeah, Project L could definitely try something. But like I said, even if Project L succeeds in doing a free-to-play model, I don't think that means other companies can do it. Because Riot would have the ability to coast on that. Right? They would have the ability to coast on that because they have so much revenue from other resources. Riot is a very different company than, say, something like Capcom. You could be like, well, we'll use Resident Evil to fund the Street Fighter. That's not how those kind of companies work, right? That's, that's not how it works. 
uh, for a game like Capcom. Like the Resident Evil department might as well be practically be like a subsidiary company under Capcom outside of the Street Fighter one, which is a different company. You know, like it's not the same kind of thing. Like Riot looks at all of their products as kind of like a whole. And there that is definitely not happening with a lot of the Japanese companies uh, out there. Uh, so, um, with the economics of big budget games already strained, I don't know how you get seven years of support for a game without pricey DLC. Yeah, it's definitely true. So, um, yeah, and, and again, obviously the costumes that they made in Street Fighter VI were some pretty swanky costumes in it. I mean, it wasn't just like they just, you know, spit out a couple of costumes, so... Uh, it's, it was really impressive, but with how angry everybody's gotten, Capcom may be rethinking their costume model, and maybe they'll just go back to, hey, if you use an unpopular character, <laughs> you know, uh, SOL to you, you know, you're shit out of luck. Have fun, uh, but you know, here comes the Aki bikini. Here comes the the beachwear for Aki and Chun Li and Kimberly. You know, and you're just like, well, okay, here we go. You know, the unbalanced costumes may just have to be a thing. So, oh man, um, why aren't there official channels for SF6 that stream matches for people to watch? I mean, that's what Capcom Fighters is doing. That's what I talked about last week, uh, Jim Kubat. Actually, it was one of the key things of why they probably don't want to go necessarily go back to an offline model of CPT because the online model of CPT gives them constant content to stream on Capcom Fighters, right? So they're actually building revenue through streaming as well. So, uh, you know, going back to an offline model might not be the preferable way for them to go. Regardless, I mean, the real answer is we don't know the answer. Uh, we have to have everybody try all these different things. But I just wanted to throw out the idea of a weird arcade system where you buy credits so that there's an arcade mode of fighting games that if you're good and won, you wouldn't spend a lot of money. And then you could just play the game. And then that way, you don't feel like you have to commit $80 to a fighting game right away on launch. And that way, yeah, you can experiment with fighting games. You can find the one that you love, you know, but that's another problem too, right? If you're SNK, do you want to let someone spend a dollar on your game to find out they don't like the game? Or would you rather just have them spend the entire $60, right? Or is it a problematic that if they buy it and don't like it on Steam, you can return it like after a few hours or something like that. I don't remember what the time limit is. So I don't know, maybe the credits version is actually better for them because that's actual money in their pocket, you know, that they get to keep kind of situation. So I don't know, like it would be, uh, oh, you mean like hiring content creators to be brand ambassadors. I mean, they are doing a little bit of that with things like sets, right? But again, uh, I, they do have the content creators, the Capcom content creators program, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they're doing little things like that. They've obviously flown influencers like Kizzy and Justin and Diaphone out to try early builds of their games, et cetera, et cetera. So they do stuff like that, but you know, not like officially on their channels or anything like that because they don't make any money off of those streams, right? So uh, getting content creators, I mean, they just had a stream where Justin Wong had a fighting game class. 
So they're doing stuff like that, Jim Kubak. Like literally, I think today or yesterday, they actually had Justin Wong doing a here's how to play fighting game live stream class with viewers and stuff like that. So, uh, well, that's what I mentioned earlier, Caramel Jenkins, that if you spent like $20 of credits, $25 of credits, you get $20 off the main game. So that way the game company actually makes something off of it, but you don't feel like your, your money went to nowhere. Or maybe if you actually spend a whole $60 on credits, you just gain the game for free or something like that. So even if you're spending credits, you feel like, well, if I keep playing this game, I'm eventually going to own the game anyway. So whatever, I'll just keep playing it until it's free. You know, like there's a lot of ideas to go along with that concept, which is why I, I, I think that would be a really interesting idea. You know, obviously, like Forrest says, I doubt the credit system will take off. Right. I don't know. It's just an idea that I have because of that thought process I had from that conversation saying that, yes, the reason why three characters in KOF was appealing in the arcade is because it costs you 25 cents. And most of the time you played against the computer. Right. You weren't playing against other people. A lot of times you would have the competitive machine and then you would have the one player machine. Right. Even if you go to Hey Arcade, the, the, 20, the, the, the 25 yen uh, ST cabinets that everybody plays on aren't the only ST cabinets. There's a whole bunch of other ST cabinets at full price that you play that you get to just fight against the computer. Right. And so, you know, it was easy to say, okay, I get to play three different characters in King of Fighters, cool, put in a quarter and do that. Whereas nowadays, it's like, oh my God, I have to learn three characters to get my $80 money worth, money's worth out of buying this game and the season pass. And you're just like, God, like, I don't have time to learn three characters, but in the arcade, you put in a quarter, even if you didn't know what you're doing, even if you died instantaneously because you didn't know what you were doing, you lost 25 or 50 cents. It's just such a different environment. And so that just got me thinking, maybe trying to create something like that would work for fighting games, uh, for modern fighting games. But again, it might not work. It might be the worst idea ever. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought process and an interesting idea. Just to throw that out there, see how people think about that, just to see what they would say, so. was Tuesday with your host James Chen aka Jay Chenzor. We are currently sitting here talking about dogs in my chat over here, but this is a good way for you to find out all sorts of information like what kind of dogs I love. I love golden retrievers. I want a golden retriever one of these days as soon as I get to a point where I can own a dog, uh, but I am not in that position right now. But this is the chance to find out all sorts of other crazy information about me or my opinion on fighting games, etc., etc., because we are doing another viewer Q&A stream over here. So I want to answer all the questions in the chat. So please, chat, uh, start sending me all of your questions, everything that you got. 
Here I am also trying to find my phone because I'm going to try to use this to help me with the editing process. So, uh, if you want to ask me a question in the chat, make sure you do an at jchenzor in the chat, and that way I will be able to read it. So do at jchenzor in the chat, put your question there. And so we're starting now. Let's go ahead and see what we have over here. Uh, Original Gamer asks, would you rather have an MVC re-release or a brand new entry? Oh, brand new entry for sure, because... You know, MVCI is a good game, but I would like to see something that's very MVCI-ish. I would like to see something that's very MVCI-ish, but with more well-done graphics and, and, and more given a chance. So if we had a Capcom versus Capcom that reused a lot of the MVCI engine, I think that would be uh, really, really cool. Uh, to have because like I said I just don't think that game got a fair chance at all MVCI is still considered like a, a, by a lot of its fervent fan base to be one of the most enjoyable Marvel versus Capcom games out there so you know seeing a, an updated one with better graphics you know with with good music and colorful backgrounds etc cetera, etc cetera, as a Capcom versus Capcom or something would be super sick uh, to see so uh, Forrest asks, how did I start playing fighting games? <laughs> that is a long one right there. But I mean, nah, easiest way to put it is I've always been into video games. I've always played video games. My brother went to UCLA for college. UCLA at the time had one of the best arcades ever. And when my brother was there, he, he would play stuff like Dragon's Lair 2. He would play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He would play Strider. And then a game called Street Fighter 2 released and showed up at the UCLA arcade and he wouldn't stop gushing about it. And so the next time he came and visited home, we went out to a local arcade to find Street Fighter 2. And uh, we found a local arcade that had one and I started playing it and basically <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. So yes, I've been playing fighting games since the original Street Fighter 2 World Warrior. So I, I started then. My first main character was Chun-Li, because not only was she cute, but, you know, I, I tend to, I, it was Chinese pride, it was a Chinese girl, she was hot, she was Chinese, she wore blue, which is my favorite color, so it was just like the perfect storm of everything, so Chun-Li was my first uh, major, my first main character in Street Fighter 2 for playing against the computer. Once it actually got to the point where we were competing against other people, Honda <laughs> was my main character for competitor reasons, for, for competition, because uh, nobody played him. So even back then, I had the low-tier hero aspect uh, that I always wanted to play the characters that, most, that was least played. Nobody played Honda, so I played Honda. So he was my first competitive character uh, in Street Fighter II. Um, let's see here. Uh, Claro asks, do you think this Evo was bigger than last year, even though last year's was the first back after a two-year break? Oh, yeah, yeah, free! Free! Like, that's, that's not, there's nothing to even judge about that, because the last year's Evo, 2022's Evo, was a little bit smaller, because a lot of people were still wary about COVID as well. But then last year, not only have most people just been like, whatever, and, you know, enough people are vaccinated now that they're willing to risk it a little bit more, but also Street Fighter Six. I mean, 
7,000 entrants for Street Fighter VI. Uh, they even said that the over 9,000 entrance is the record for EVO ever. And then when you take into account all the people who showed up to the event purely for um, uh, spectating, I mean, they said that it was over 10,000 tickets sold. I mean, probably around like the 12,000, 13,000 people uh, showed up at one point in time or another. Uh, have you given your take on the pricing of recent cosmetics like MK1 and Costume 3 debacle in Street Fighter 6? Uh, I have not. Uh, I don't think the Costume 3 thing is a really a debacle, except for the fact that there's no, like, package <laughs> to buy all of them, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like having a package to buy all of them would have been fair, especially for TOs. Like, yeah, right now it's what, $6 a costume? I mean, I think it's fair if you buy, if you spend $60, you can get all the costumes. I think that's fair in, in a weird way. I almost feel like Capcom would make more money because I think a lot of people would be like, wow, if I spend $60, if I buy 10 costumes, I get all the costumes. And I think more people would actually do that than spend the one $6 for their character. Uh, a lot of people are saying that obviously the $6 is a lot. It's also annoying because you have to buy, you know, 250 is the smallest amount, but 300 is how much they cost. So you have to buy two chunks of 250 or buy one of the bigger chunks in order to get the amount of money to buy. So it feels predatory, et cetera, et cetera. Really kind of annoying uh, stuff. But I mean, modern games are like that. A lot of people who come from other games have said that the prices for the skins in Street Fighter VI are actually very fair. Uh, let's just put it this way, my stance on it, that's too rich for my blood. I haven't bought any costumes yet because I can't justify spending $6 on a costume. I just can't. I don't have that much money right now. So uh, I did get a donation from a generous uh, uh, viewer named Nyanzaburo. If you're in the chat, Nyanzaburo, please uh, say something because I wanted to ask you a question about your donation. But I don't even have any of the costumes because I don't feel like I can afford the money. So, yeah, it's expensive for the costumes and it sucks, right? Because I really want some of those costumes. I do think they're kind of pricey. But, you know, if, if that's something that's going to keep Capcom and Street Fighter VI afloat, if that makes it so that we can have at least a million dollar prize every year uh, at, at Capcom Cup, I mean, I think that would be wonderful. So uh, I would be happy if that was the case. So, um, all right. Okay. Um, favorite and least favorite Zelda game. Favorite Zelda game, Majora's Mask. Least favorite Zelda game. Uh, the only Zelda game that I really kind of just quit partway through was the Spirit Tracks. Because the train stuff was, uh, like, I don't know. The sailing was, like, calm and relaxing, but the train stuff took forever. So I just, I, I gave up on that game. I couldn't, I couldn't do, I couldn't do the spirit track. So uh, maybe that's my least favorite, perhaps. That's just the first one that came into my head, unfortunately, for spirit tracks. Uh, let's see, uh, a free frack man says, so many players that compete on SF6 is coming from, oh, that's not a question, okay. Uh, Louis B asks, what are the basics to learn Kim? Uh, I just lost to her too many times, so I decided to play her to be able to survive. 
so Kim is an Oki monster. The trick to Kim is that every time she knocks you down, she has probably the best Oki out of like all the characters. If you learn the way, different ways that you can knock people down uh, off of any hit and then have a proper follow-up and more importantly, like 19 follow-ups for each knockdown, that is essentially how you want to learn Kim and then learn her strong corner pressure. But in general, the most powerful thing that you can get from Kim is understanding how to set up all of her Oki, which is why I have these magic numbers. So if you actually knock people down with Kimberly in Street Fighter VI and you look at the frame meter and you see how plus you are on the opponent getting up, 22, plus 22 is an important number, plus 30 is an important number, plus 47 is an important number. Those are like the three most important numbers that you can find for Kim to be able to get mix-ups because off of those three particular numbers, you get really high quality mix-ups off of those. And so that's kind of the idea of Kimberly. So for example, mid-screen, if you do strong fierce run off of them and then do the dive kick afterwards, you're plus 30. So plus 30 from that point, you can actually do drive rush into slide, which is super plus on block and on hit. You can do drive rush into overhead. You can do drive rush into throw. You can do run overhead, which becomes plus on block. Uh, even if they block it, you can do drive rush jab and fake and actually bait out wake up DPs. So plus 30 is very strong for Kimberly. And in the corner and the mid screen, she's got all sorts of different ways to land into those kind of uh, uh, frame advantage situations. So that's what you want to learn with Kim is learn how to achieve those particular situations. Uh, let's see, questions here. This is... Uh, da -da 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 -da. Uh, this is the bowling comment here. We are all talking about other things over here. Let's see if there's any new questions. Remember, please at Jay Chenzor in the chat. That's the best way to uh, get my attention here. Uh, Shay says, what's the best way to approach learning a new character in a game you already play? Well, uh, the best way to approach a new character is to understand what the character's mix-up is. What is that character's mix-up? What is your goal with that character? So for example, let's say you try to learn Lily in Street Fighter VI. Well, her goal is wind-clad Condor Spire. <laughs> like that is literally her biggest strength is wind-clad Condor Spire being plus turning into a 50-50 mix-up. Do you get command grab or do I standing light kick you? And so now what you do is you figure out what a character's main goal is. And because this is a game that you already play, you should have some pre-knowledge on what the character's goal is or what they want to do. If you don't have that knowledge, then you mess around with the character, check their frame data, check their mix-ups, see what kind of overheads you have, understand that Street Fighter VI is still kind of an attack throw shimmy kind of game. So you wanna figure out how to get in there and be plus or how what's a good drive rush cancelable button because it's obviously strong in Street Fighter VI. So you, if you don't know anything about the character, you start with what's strong in the game and you figure out how the character flows with the strengths of the game. 
Then once you figure that out, you start looking for all the situations that you can set up to give you that advantage, right? So, okay, let's say my uh, crouching medium punch into drive rush cancel is cool with Aki because now I can do low strong into all the, but then you find out you can't hit with crouching strong because it has no range, right? So now you have to figure out what can this character do within the confines of this game that sets up a mix-up that works for the character within how the mix-ups generally work in Street Fighter VI. And then from there, you start veering off of towards the mix-ups of your character. So for example, with Kimberly, when I first learned her, all I just knew was her corner strength is really good. But then as the more I played her, the re more I realized that what makes her strong is that she is a character similar to Cammy, uh, because Cammy, everything ends in the drill. But for uh, Kimberly, all of her knockdowns give her ridiculous Oki. So she almost always has a way to pressure you. So I just figured out now every time I knock you down, I know to go for one of my mix-ups at that point because I can always get that. So even if my my neutral ends up being stand medium cup in the run slide and that doesn't do any damage. I know after run slide, I can do double dash standing heavy kick, which is a true meaty combo, which is a true meaty button. So now I can do double dash into delay throw, which then throws them. I can do double dash into whiff a jab into crouching medium kick to catch them standing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities for you that way. And so that's kind of the idea behind it. So learn how your character fits within the game, especially if you already play the game and already know a character and then figure out how the character takes advantage of their own kit from there. You know, that's basically how you would want to kind of approach it. Uh, let's see, a free frack man asks, uh, what is your favorite Street Fighter VI stages? Huh, I haven't really thought about that. <laughs> I haven't really thought about that. Uh, which stages do I like the most in Street Fighter VI? I really do like the China stage. Uh, I do like the London stage just because it is very pure background color. Um, I know there's like one super colorful stage that I really like and I can't remember which one it is. Uh, I don't know, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure. <laughs> now, I'm gonna have to think about it. I'll have to think about it, so. <laughs> I'll have to think about it. Um, Let's see, Factory Worker One asks, what would fix Zangief? Uh, I would like to give Zangief uh, at least one good bufferable button that had decent range so that I could poke with that button and not die to drive impact. <laughs> would be kind of nice, uh, would be kind of nice. Uh, just make it so that Lariat isn't a 14 frame anti-air like there's no reason why lariat needs to be a 14 frame anti-air like okay it doesn't hit cross up okay it gets beat by deep jump attacks it doesn't need to have a freaking 15 frame startup it's a 15 frame anti-air why is zangief's lariat a 15 frame anti-air that makes absolutely no sense just let it hit fat even the od one is 12 frames 
Why are you so mean to Zangief that it's hard for him to anti-air people? Let him anti-air people. If he can anti-air people and make it harder for people to jump on him, that makes it fair that it's harder for him to win neutral. Because then the opponent doesn't get to jump on and in on you for free. That's how Zangief has always worked. <laughs> That's always how Zangief worked. <laughs> um... Long, long man, should Lily get invul DP with regular EX or need a win stock? Ooh, that's a good one, actually. Hang on a second. Uh, I've always just said she just needs to get her invul DP. Just give it to her. Just freaking just give her an ODDP because everyone needs it. But if they think that's really too strong, maybe if you have an OD win, maybe if you have a win stock and you do the OD that you get the invincibility. I think that would be a decent trade-off. Like, I think that would be a different, tr decent trade-off because then at least you have to spend two bars and have a stock to get an actual OD uh, DP. I think that would actually be really, really good. Dude, it's not even that the Lariat losing to Fireballs on startup is so bad. It's just that it doesn't have any range and if you're wrong, dude, your lariat sits there forever. You can't try to lariat through fire. Like, you know what they should do? You know how they could make Zangief fair? Actually, this would be a great way to fix Zangief. Honestly, this is a great way, I think, to help Zangief a lot. So, Aki has this factor that if she does the command dash, if she passes through you, like, she's, she's more invul on the recovery. If she doesn't pass through you, she's more punishable. What I would do is I would give Zangief a tiny, maybe little hitbox in his stomach center that if it ever gets hit by a projectile while he's lariating, so only when he's lariating, if a fireball of a projectile hits a little pixel on his back, he loses all the recovery on the lariat. Or he can, he can block at the end of lariat. Like, like, then it doesn't have, what, what is the freaking recovery frames on the stupid lariat over here? The lariat is, uh, has 27 recovery frames, right? So basically, if you lariat and you actually pass through a fireball, then uh, the fireball, the fireball passing through you erases your recovery frames so that now all of a sudden your lariat can recover a lot faster. So instead of the 27 frames of recovery at the end, it drops down to like seven frames of recovery or something. So you can actually use the lariat against projectiles because right now if you lariat and they throw a fireball, if you don't hit them, the lariat is useless. You cannot use the Lariat to progress through a Fireball. But if they made it so that Sonic Boom, Lariat, and as soon as I pass through the Fireball, the Lariat triggers time to end, and then it ends and has lower recovery, that's not going to make him too strong. That's not going to kill everybody with a projectile or anything. But now he can actually fight people with projectiles because it sucks that Zangief actually sucks against projectiles and the only thing he can do is level 2. Like, Zangief shouldn't suck against projectiles like the way that he does. Okay. <laughs> Next question. Um, let's see here. Again, don't forget to do at jchenzord to ask the questions over here. I don't see any other questions over here. 
Any other questions that anybody has to ask over here? Any other questions? Are we going to have a short uh, episode? Doesn't Drive Perry make Lariat redundant with dealing with projectiles? Not really, because the problem with it is, is that the... So the reason why uh, Lar the Drive Perry doesn't make projectiles redundant, what you have to understand about the beautiful thing about the way the Lariat used to work in fighting games is when you pass through a projectile, you didn't delete the projectile. So the projectile was still on the screen and still had to leave. And because of that, the opponent couldn't throw another projectile. The thing about drive parry is as soon as you drive parry a projectile, that lets the opponent throw another fireball. So in other words, if you aren't perfect parrying the projectile, if you go Hadouken, parry, he can just Hadouken again and parry, and Hadouken again and parry, and you're not gaining ground on them. In the old Street Fighter games, in Street Fighter 2, he had no recovery frames. If a fireball was in his stomach when the Lariat ended, he could block. Like, he could block the fireball. So what would happen is he would throw Hadouken, you go, go through it, and then the Ryu couldn't throw another fireball until that fireball left the screen. So he would run up and try to challenge the Lariat in some way, and so you could make progress to the fireball. That's why neutral jumping over projectiles works in the same way, but the problem is you still have to land, and so the fireball has a lot more travel speed, and so it's not as bad. But leaving the fireball on the screen when you did the lariat was the key factor of being able to go through lariats because then the opponent just was like shit i can't throw another projectile and then once the fireball goes off screen zangie's already that much closer and if you throw another projectile he can lariat through you and actually punch you in the face so being able to parry through the fireball isn't necessarily the same as being able to lariat through the fireball <clears throat> Lurker Spine asks, hang on a second. I don't think this is going to work anyway, but I'll keep trying. Lurker Spine asks, how do you handle learning different fighting games? I'm having a hard enough time learning Street Fighter 6, and a bunch of people I know are diving back into Guilty Gear Strive, Grand Blue, Uni 2, etc. Uh, that's a great question, because I'm not doing very well right now. I haven't even played Johnny in Guilty Gear Strive yet because I'm so obsessed with Street Fighter VI. And the reason why Street Fighter VI is taking up so much of my time is because it's the first time I've actually been playing so many different characters. Like Street Fighter VI, I already have like four main characters and I'm trying to add like five and six to that uh, pretty soon uh, as well. So uh, I've, I've, I'm learning like way more in Street Fighter VI than I have before. But just in general, in terms of learning... Uh, different fighting games. One of the beautiful things about learning multiple fighting games is they teach you a lot of different skills and they'll help you in the other fighting games. So that's one of the things that you have to realize. If you leave and go play another fighting game, you aren't wasting time in your main fighting game, for example. The best I ever did in Street Fighter 4 at Wednesday Night Fights uh, for one of the Wednesday Night Fights seasons was when I was only playing Marvel 3. And then I actually did better with Street Fighter 4 because it just made my reactions better and stuff. Um, so uh, understand that playing different fighting games helps you. Uh, and also, you know, 
you have to find the things that you like from the different fighting games, right? There, there has to be enough that draws you in to the fighting games, right? Or, you know, if it is something like your friends are playing the other games, but you don't like it, you don't have to play the fighting game. I mean, honestly, but if you want to play with them and have fun, make sure you do find the part that you enjoy out of the fighting game. Don't play the fighting game out of obligation. <laughs> basically uh but outside of that really just understand like i said with you know how to get good at a fighting game character understand how each game differs from each other understand what makes one fighting game different from the other right so for example if you sit there and you play street fighting you're like shimmy is really important it's a big part of the mix-up getting people to miss throws blah 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 and then you go and play guilty gear like exert and you're trying to shimmy people you're gonna die because at the highest levels you can't shimmy people in exert it is Physically, literally impossible to shimmy people in Guilty Gear Exert because of option selects. In, it, the, the command to throw was forward and heavy punch. And so what you would actually do a lot of the times is you would actually blend it with other buttons, right? So you would hit forward and uh, heavy punch plus kick. And so if you didn't throw, you would come out with your forward kick or you would come out, or you would hit forward, heavy, slash, plus, punch, and you would come out with your 6P instead. Like, there was lots of ways to get around that. So if you jump into Guilty Gear Exert and you're trying to learn how to shimmy people, you're literally wasting your time. Like, that's not the strategy in Guilty Gear Strive. And so understanding the games and what the games are asking for you and making sure that you play within the game's mix-ups is a really, really important thing uh will i play any grand blue fantasy versus uh i played the original Faye, uh but unfortunately uh once the pandemic started the net code wasn't very good because the rising net code is good i do intend to play it um if you're looking for a potential Matera coach. I don't know if I'm the right person to help you, but I can try. <laughs> I can see what happens. I'll mess with the game. I definitely intend to mess with the game and pick it up and stuff. So, uh, but whenever you're ready to get back into that Street Fighter Six, Faye, let me know. Whenever you're ready to get back in, I, 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 have, I already know the new tricks I need to teach you. I already have the next tricks re ready. So, <laughs> But I do intend to give it a shot. I do intend to try it out and see how it goes, uh, to see how uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus goes. Uh, so yeah, because I really did enjoy the original Grand Blue Fantasy, but like I said, the netcode is what kind of hurt the game for me. So uh, we'll see how much I can get into uh, how much I can get into uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Rising. I do intend to try to play it. So uh, Mike Lee says, uh, also on the flip side, kind of understand you might not be able to juggle multiple fighting games because you don't have the time to do so. Right. That is just something that you have to understand as well. If you don't have the time, you don't have the time. Fighting games are are an investment. They are definitely investments. So don't treat it too lightly. But again, if you approach it understanding that 
fighting games are very different. What you learn in one fighting game is going to be very different from other fighting games. That will make it so that your learning process is quicker. There are people out there that tells you all fighting games are the same, and in essence, they're right. The same kind of mix-ups are replaced. So, for example, instant air dashing can be replaced by roll, for example, because instant air dashing in Guilty Gear Exert gets over long-range straight buttons the same way a roll would in CVS2. You can kind of see certain mechanics replacing other things, but at the same time, a lot of fighting games are very different because they reward different skills, they reward different mindsets, and so you need to understand that kind of thing too as well to be able to play as many games as possible. Uh, Bitfrost asks, uh, how do you get better at, at a fighting game that doesn't have a strong local or online community in your region? Discord, <laughs> Discord, Discord. So the modern era of fighting games, Bitfrost, it's Street Fighter, Tekken, and Mortal Kombat, and Discord Fighters. Actually, uh, Guilty Gear Strive is in a weird place because they know their lobbies aren't very good. So Guilty Gear is kind of a Discord fighter as well. But finding an, uh, you know, a community on Discord is the best way to do that. And because of the good netcode we have these days, they don't have to be an online community anywhere in your region. <laughs> it can be anywhere. I know the Ultra Chen TV Discord has matchmaking uh, channels, for example, but that's a good way to go. I'm not be very good at being a Discord fighter uh, because I hate bothering people. That's just how I am. I feel like if I hit anybody up, like, hey, you want to play? I feel like I'm annoying people and I'm just an introvert in general, so I'm bad at Discord fighters, but if you really do want to get good at a game and you do not have a local community uh create an online community via discords and via different channels and stuff like that jim kubak asks one aspect of zangief that used to make him strong was he had a huge hp pool a massive stun threshold and he dealt big stun damage do you feel that SF6 has done a good enough job compensating for the normalized HP and lack of stun? How do you think they could approach addressing these lack of strengths on characters like Zangief? Well, the biggest problem with Zangief is that, you know, he still has more health. He doesn't, there's no stun in the game at all. But the problem is his defense sucks now. That is the biggest thing that, that they took away from Zangief. His defense has never been this bad in his entire life. It has always been a scary prospect trying to fight Zangief when he's getting up. But in this game, he is at one of the weakest he has ever been. And so getting him into the corner and destroying him is so easy. And it's really frustrating as a Zangief player because you can't destroy other people when you get them into the corner with Zangief. Why is it so unbalanced? You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Kimberly, they took away her ODDP because she's so good in the corner. And then, uh, so now she's bad on the other side of it. Makes sense. Of course, it turns out that other people are still stronger than Kim <laughs> as corner pressure. And they still have ODDPs. So it wasn't a fair trade-off for Kimberly. Uh, that's a whole different story. But there's no reason Zangief's defense should be as bad as it is. There is zero reasons... <laughs> 
why Zangief's defense should be as bad as it is. So it's really, because most of the fighting games that Zangief has been in, hey, he's had the same health as a lot of other characters. Like in Super Turbo, he didn't have more health than anybody else, right? He just had good damage, and you, it was scary trying to approach him when he got up. So it was kind of fair. You knocked him down, and you just zoned him all day. If you were a fireball character, and you knocked Zangief down, you threw a meaty fireball on him. You didn't pressure him. You kept him away. Right? In this game, you knock down Zangief and you've got free party time and you get to destroy him. <laughs> and it's so depressing. <laughs> what is a good way to input Inscami instant dive kick? asks Louis B. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, you can do it on the ground. You can actually do spin kick up forward and hit the kick uh, so that you do the instant one on the ground. That's generally how I try to do the instant dive kick. Uh, but it does require you a little bit of extra time, right? Because now you need extra time to spend on the corner circle back on the ground. So if you don't have a way to hide that in the recovery of another move or in the recovery of a dash, you're losing some frames off of that. Whereas if you just jump and dive kick right away, it comes out a little faster. So that's a little bit of the trade-off there. So honestly, if you have the bufferable situation, like so for me, when I land a drill and I dash and want to do instant dive kick I will do the quarter circle back forward flip kick version so I'll put the spin kick motion on the ground jump and then hit kick and keep in mind the game is smart enough that even if you hit kick before you reach the height at which you can dive kick the game will remember you did it wait till you reach that height and then dive kick unlike in Street Fighter 5 which you would just end up whiffing a jump kick and die so in 6 they were kind enough to do that but if you're in neutral you're probably better off just learning how to jump and dive kick as fast as you can. And make sure you blend it as a motion. Hit forward flip and then spin kick. Don't think jump and then dive kick. It's all one motion. Forward flip, spin back. Like the, 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 the jump motion should be part of the spin kick. So as soon as you hit up forward, it's just court, you, you're just going from up forward, round back. Turn it into one motion to be as consistent as possible uh, with that dive kick. Uh, Poke, Poke Cobalt asks, um, what is the best way to find a training partner? Uh, again, if you find someone that you on Discord or you run into someone online that you feel like is your level, hit them up in game or on Discord. Just be like, hey, dude, that was close. You want to run some sets sometimes, you know, and that that's basically the best way to find a training partner is I mean, it's kind of like dating. You just got to ask, right? But uh, it's a lot less scary than dating. <laughs> a lot less scary than dating. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so that's probably the best way to find a training mechanic right there. Oh, you're ready to next play for the two next two days. All right, Faye. I'll, 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 I'll try to... I'll try to We'll, let's see if we can get a training session going in the next couple of days. Um, a free frack man asks, what is, what is Zangief's huge frame advantage? I don't know what you mean by that, a free frack man. Are you saying what moves give Zangief frame advantage? Or uh, I'm not sure what the question is, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. So... <laughs> Uh, but if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for moves that are plus on block, a lot of his lights are plus on block, unlike other characters. His jabs are plus on block. Uh, his headbutt is plus on block as well. You could make his knee plus on block. 
uh, as well. So um, that's uh, those are some of the things that he has over there. So. Um, any other questions that I have in the chat here? Or uh, will that be it at this point? Uh, any other questions? Any other questions? Uh, finding someone to play fighting games in the new day. Hey, there's a lot of people who have actually met their partners through, uh, through fighting games. Honestly, there are. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, my problem is nobody my age plays fighting games, right? So that's, that's the thing. When I was playing fighting games, if you wanted to date, you had to quit fighting games. That was just it. People my age hate fighting games. They hate video games. It's just what it comes down to, right? So uh, I never had that benefit uh, as other people, uh, except my ex, I guess, the one time. But like I said, she was significantly younger than me for, for that very reason. So uh, I, I do not have that uh, advantage here. I, I, am, I am handicapped <laughs> uh, by being on previous generation consoles. I'm handicapped by being on previous generation consoles that you can't find anymore. Uh, Jim Kubak asks, do you feel modern mode needs any tweak? Personally, I find it odd that it lacks the minimum frames required for move inputs. What do you mean by the minimum frames required for move inputs? That is not something that I understand. Oh, or you're just saying like, you know, you can do a DP in one frame as opposed to needing to press it three frames earlier at least, like giving it three extra startup frames uh, kind of thing like that. Ah, I... I, I, it is an advantage. It is absolutely an advantage. Um, that is possible, but you would have to program it so that at, that only happens in neutral because it wouldn't make sense if you did that in combos, et cetera, et cetera, because then that could actually ruin your combos. But then also for juggles, that makes it a little awkward. That means you have to, like, does it, do you have to change your timing for juggles. And it's just, it's a really weird thing to have to think about, right? Adding extra frames to a special move because it affects a lot more than just I'm standing here doing something. So my idea, for example, was I felt like, uh, you know, for a super, for example, you had to either double tap or triple tap a button, right? And make the window pretty big. So like you had a shift key and you would have to hit button, button, button. So at least that does require you to, like startup time to do stuff. But honestly, button, button, button might be unfair because button, button, button might actually be harder to do quickly than two quarter circle forwards at, for high level players. So maybe just a double press button, but at least that way you can't do it instantly, right? So in other words, if I wanted a super through a fireball, I'd have to hold the shift button, go button, wait and see if they do something. And then I'd have to let go of the button and then press that shift button again and then do it again. Cause then if I accidentally hit it again, Again, you know, something like that, I think, would be really kind of interesting to, to do as an alternate. Uh, so that's the idea that I had right there. But some people are saying that for uh, accessibility reasons, double tapping buttons is not good because sometimes double tapping buttons is very difficult for people with some handicap issues. So, you know, it's I've been thinking through a lot of different ideas, but... Um, 
adding extra frames just to the button press for neutral isn't necessarily the answer because it makes it very weird for combos and then you're learning two different timings and it's just like the whole thing is just kind of odd. Um, let's see. Uh, Forrest asks, if you get a new, new fighting game, what would it be? Rival Schools 2 or Avatar, the last airbender fighting game. Uh, those are the two fighting games that I've just always wanted. Or, or Yi'ar Kung Fu, a new modern Yi'ar Kung Fu. I would want to make a new modern Yi'ar Kung Fu, an Avatar, the last airbender fighting game, or Rival Schools, uh, not Rival Schools 2, but modern Rival Schools. Modern Rival Schools reboot kind of thing. Um, uh, let's see. Forrest asked, do you remember that Street Fighter anime where Ryu and Ken were holding hands in its intro? Wasn't that strange? What? Are you talking about Street Fighter V? Was it Street Fighter V? Or, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Anyways, Long Long Man asks, why do you think there's so little guiles? He's regarded as strong. He's strong. He's tough. He's tough. <laughs> like, if you actually pick up guile... You actually find out he's a little bit harder than you think he's going to be. At least I did. I was like, I'm just going to Sonic Boom and, and, and Sobat my way to victory because that's what I did in old fighting games, you know, with Guile. That did not work. Hang on a second. Oh, okay. Jasmine is playing with a piece of plastic. I just want to make sure Nathan didn't get into some food that I was unaware of. <laughs> but Guile is a little bit harder than you think to play. I think so. Uh, any single player games I'm looking forward to next year? Yeah, the single player games that I haven't played in the last 10 years <laughs> are the single player games I'm looking forward to in the next year. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... Let's see. I don't have time to learn team fight tactics, man. I don't have time to learn that. <laughs> I've got too many games to play already, so. All right, I, you know what? I'll go ahead and just end it on that. I mean, honestly, I know like a lot of people. So for those of you who are on here, who are also on my Jay Chenzor channel, who watch me stream on Jay Chenzor all the time, you know, uh, obviously when I don't play Street Fighter, you know, the viewership goes down because people can't find me as easily, I think, one. Uh, but two, I think people, you know, know me mostly for fighting games or Tetris. So obviously fighting games and Tetris, both of those streams do generally well. But if I play also random games, I know I don't get as many viewers, but do you guys want to see me do more one-player games? Do you guys want to see me go to Tears of the Kingdom and Final, like Resi Bio Resident Evil Finish 7, play Resident Evil 8, etc., all that stuff. So, well, everybody's saying yes. Okay, so. Dude, I didn't, I never continued Baba Is You, Caramel Jenkins. I never continued that game because it broke me. It gave me such a, it made my head so confused. I was like, no, I stop now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, which simplified fighting game is my favorite? Like Footsie's Tough Love Arena or Fantasy Strike? I don't really play any of them, so I can't really answer that question, uh, to be honest with you. So I don't know. 
how to answer that right now. Dude, the thing that's that's so effed up about Baba is you, Mike Lee, is that they'll have a stage and I'm just like, how do I beat this? How do I beat this? How do I, oh my, oh, that is so tricky. I can't believe this worked just right. Oh, that's so nuts. And then they give you the stage again and they take something away and they're like, yeah, you could have beat it better. <laughs> and I'm like, Man, fuck you, dude. Like, now you're just rubbing it in my face, dude. Like, Jesus. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Like, it's brutal. <laughs> uh, I have footsies on my phone. I have it, Lurker's Spot. I just never played it. That's just all. That's just all. So... Oh, man. Uh, I, I won't play GTA because I've never played any of the GTA games. You don't want to see me play GTA games. You do not ever want to watch me play a GTA game. Because the one time my friend tried to make me play GTA, I was like, I'm going to obey the traffic. I'm going to not kill anybody. I'm going to try to, and like, he was like, like literally this gang was trying to murder me. And like, I should just probably kill them. And I just did it. Like, I, I can't, I can't get myself to play GTA. I, I can't make myself the bad guy. Did you guys ever play uh, Kagero Deception? I think is what it's called. Uh, Kagero Deception or something like that. And it was literally a game where you set up all these traps and you kill people by launching them into the traps and trying to combo them and stuff like that. This is like back on the PlayStation on the Dreamcast and stuff like that. One of my friends really, really wanted me to play it. And I was like, all right, fine. So I popped it in and the tutorial mission was like, okay, this man has been tricked to believe that the medication that his sick family needs is in your house. Set up the traps to kill him. And I froze. Like I literally just sat there and walked and walked through the house and then he left and the tutorial guy was like, what are you doing? You didn't do anything. I turned the game off and I never played it again. I never played it again. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I literally couldn't do it. So uh, I, I, I'm not the kind of person that could ever play uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I, I literally can't play. Uh, it's Grand Theft Auto 5, have mine. Grand Theft Auto 5. Right? Oh, no, it is 6 because it's Vice City. That's right. That's, that is 6. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so, yeah, uh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> but okay, I'll, I'll try to do more one-player streams. I'll try to do more one-player streams. I just have to convince myself that you guys would also be okay if I did it like in D-Gen hours and stuff like that. So, because uh, that's usually the time I do play random video games is like D-Gen hours and stuff. But if you guys are okay with that, maybe I'll try to do that more often. So yeah, the world tour streams are fun. <laughs> I mean, you see it. I don't beat up people on the street. Now, granted, they don't care. They want to fight. But I don't beat up a lot of people on the street. Now, granted, you don't really need to anyway, but still. Um, okay. Yeah, I like short games for sure. I definitely like short games for sure. So, um... Okay, uh, a retro game streamer, <laughs> maybe. Uh, what's FTL? What's FTL? 
I know I've heard of that game before, but I don't remember what it stands for. Uh, faster than light? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, actually. I love puzzle games, Isaac Locke. I love puzzle games. I played one retro puzzle game recently, and then I got stuck on one stage for the longest of time. And I was like, God damn it. But maybe I'll go back to doing it. So I don't know what that is. Love is all around. I don't know. I wish I could finish Outer Wilds, but I got so frustrated by the controls that I stopped. I never finished Outer Wilds, dude. Oh, God. Oh. In any case, uh, I think that's enough. I've almost streamed for three hours, so I'm going to go ahead and call it a night. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, if you guys are totally cool with watching me play random one-player games, I'll try to do that more often. <laughs> oh, it's a dating sim game? Oh, God, no. I, I don't want to play dating sims. I don't have any interest in dating sims. Uh, I did play the first uh, Phoenix Wright, and I voiced... Every single character in the game off Refract Man while we were playing it. Uh, it was very tiring, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I never got to the second one. So I, I did do all the Ace Attorney streams and I voiced every single character because I like doing cartoon voices. And it was a chance for me to kind of show that off and just have fun with it. So maybe I'll do it uh, another time. So... <laughs> <sighs> All right. In any case, uh, I will thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, appreciate your guys' support. Uh, if you want to see me play some one-player games, let me know in the chat. Let me know in the comments below on YouTube what you would like me to see. Uh, what you would like to see me play on Twitch.tv/jchenzor is where I actually stream that. Uh, I just stream my regular games over there. I know why do I have two Twitch channels? It's just long story. Uh, long story. Thank you for the sub, Case Money. Thank you for the sub, White Lens. Look, if anyone wants to support me, honestly. Subs, donations, gift subs are one of the best ways to support me. Uh, I could definitely use the help right now. Uh, I, I don't like begging, but uh, I'm in a state where I probably should be begging more often. So please, uh, if you guys can afford to support me financially through donations or through subs or gift subs or bits or anything like that, it would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, so thank you. But um, again, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, Factory Worker One. I don't know if anything is ever going to happen. I don't know if anything is ever going to happen. Because <laughs> they've told me it's not, my, it's not their fault anymore. So... So now I'm trying to fight for that, and I don't know if I'm going to win that battle. I have no idea if I'm ever going to win that battle. So, <sighs> any case, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for watching. And remember, the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But for me... <laughs> it was Tuesday. <laughs>